You're listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. This podcast exists to encourage, empower, and equip you to share your story and with it, the gospel. On today's episode, Kip and I were joined by Matt Outlaw. Matt shares about growing up with a dad working on the road, a mother dealing with an addiction, marrying the love of his life, and what it's like to be a Christian YouTuber. But I'll let him tell you the story. I was born uh, 1977, so I'll be 44 here next month or in April. And uh, we, I grew up in the country. You know, we, we grew up with on a farm. My, my grandpa actually owned 80 acres or so. Of course, we grew everything from beans and corn, and basically everything to eat. You know, we we grew that stuff. And uh, my dad, or growing up, we was probably three or four miles from the nearest neighbor. So other than my grandpa, so it was just all family right there. And uh, my grandpa and my grandma had nine kids. So my dad had a bunch of brothers and sisters and then they all had kids about the same age I was. So it was a huge family growing up. And I always, I always loved that. We always had a lot of family reunions and stuff like that, or just gatherings, you know, people just show up. So it wasn't like we were out in the country by ourselves. It was always people around, but, um, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but we didn't never go without, you know, it was, I, I can remember just the, we, my dad was, uh, worked in the oil field and was a truck driver for a while, especially when I was younger. We lived out in Elk City, Oklahoma for a little bit, uh, when, when I was like four, I barely remember that. And, uh, we had moved out there while the oil field was kind of booming out there. And then we moved back and moved right across the road from my grandpa. And of course, that's where most of my memories come from. Uh, but like I said, he, he uh, drove a truck, and he was mostly always gone. So it was usually my younger brother. He's four years younger than I am. And then my mom was mostly there by herself as far as in the house. And uh, he uh, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. And South Arkansas is real poor. I mean, there's not much in it's still not stop not industry here to speak of i mean there's a few lumber mills stuff like that but there's no real jobs here it's not like you graduate high school go to college and then you start working here most people if they are fortunate enough to go to college they get out of here and uh, we've actually even encouraged our kids to try to get out of here to have more opportunity because it's just a poor area you know there's not a lot here and uh, so i mean but we never went without we we had good, nice clothes and, you know, food and stuff like that, you know, but, uh, early on, um, my mom, of course I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, they, she got, uh, hooked on pills, uh, prescription pills. She slipped on ice like it is today and hurt her back. And I was four years old is what my dad tells me. And she went to the doctor, they prescribed her hydrocodone. And then from that day forward, seems like that she was hooked. And her mother was actually an alcoholic. 
And I knew about that when growing up, you know, it was talked about in the house or whatever. But uh, of course, I don't know how much my dad knew about her pill addiction because as far as at the time when he was gone all the time is usually when she was the highest. And, you know, I can just, I can remember seeing her at the kitchen table passed out with a cigarette. She was a chain smoker. The cigarette would be dangling out of her mouth, you know, and I would take it, put it in the ashtray, help her to bed. You know, I, I didn't understand at the time she was always taking like daily naps for hours on end. And what was going on, of course, she was taking the medicine and then she was going to sleep. And uh, that happened for years and years and years. It never stopped. It just got worse. And uh, But, so, I mean, it was, just, it was just, look, from the position I'm in now, I'm, I'm a state trooper, and so I deal with that stuff fairly regularly. And knowing what I know now, it's pretty obvious, you know, what was going on. But at the time, I had no idea that that stuff existed. I mean, we were country people, you know, it's stuff like that wasn't talked about. Like you didn't talk about addiction or anything like that. So I grew up there and I, it wasn't like I had a bad childhood. I don't want anybody to think that because I didn't. It wasn't like I was just mistreated because every morning she got up, she cooked breakfast for us every day, made sure we was off to school, made sure we was dressed, you know, she cooked supper every night. So, I mean, she, she did for us, you know, as a mom would, but it was just that addiction that was uh, growing up with that. And then of course, when I got about 10 or 12 years old, uh, I had a good friend that lived right. I had a good friend that lived right down the road from me and about three, four miles right down the road from me. And he had a little, he had a three wheeler at the time. Uh, I don't even think they exist now, but that was the ATV. He would come pick me up on his ATV every Sunday. And we started going to church at Martin's Chapel Methodist church. Probably wasn't 15 people there every Sunday. It was just a really small community church. And I, I say Methodist is it wasn't like you, a lot of people think that uh, Methodists, they usually are really formal. Uh, I'm assuming they are around here anyway. They have like the formal robes and stuff like that when the, when the preacher's preaching. And, but ours wasn't like that. It was more of a really a country laid back church. The, the pastor was actually just like everybody else. You know, he didn't wear anything different. And, uh, so we started going there, and I went there for till I was at least 15, 16, probably. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's where I got saved. Not there. There was a revival that actually happened at the football field and where I went to school at. And I called it, I told you other guys earlier there was a football stadium, but uh, South Arkansas, you know, the graduating class is about 30 people. So you can imagine the size of the football field. So it was probably. I don't know, 150 people there, maybe 200. And it was a multi-night um, revival. And so we uh, we went every night, you know, and it was one of those, I don't know if y'all y'all even are old enough to remember this, but back then, man, you show up and they had like barrels set up and that's where you threw your rock music in the barrel to get burned later, you know. It was just one of those fire and brimstone type. And uh, I didn't understand that the reasoning behind why they were doing it. Uh, but I knew why, why, why we were there. And we sat at the very top of the bleachers every night, me and my buddy. And on the last night, of course, they, they had an invitation every night, but on the last night, uh, I'd never went down there, but I could feel the call, you know? And on that last night, he, the guy says, the, the preacher said, he said, if you're 
uh, if you want to come down and you're nervous to come down in front of people, ask your friend or your uh, family member to come with you. And so me and him looked at each other at the same time. I was like, I'll go if you go. And so we both went and we both got saved that night. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I still remember it to this day. And I can even remember talking to him about it, I don't know, a day or two later. We were playing on the swing set. I mean, that's how we were 12, 13 years old maybe. And uh, we were talking about getting saved and how we could feel the difference and we could just feel God moving. You know, it was really cool uh, just being that age. And, of course, we, we kept going to church uh, at Martin's Chapel for several years after that. And then as I become a teenager, my, my parents never went to church uh, that I knew of. And what after I got saved, maybe a couple of years after that, they wound up starting to come to church with me. And I watched my, my dad get baptized. And he got ba- I got baptized uh, shortly after I got saved in the Saline River, old school style. You know, we just went down the river and I got, got saved. There's a bunch of people that are baptized. And so there's a bunch of people that got baptized at the same time. It was usually they would wait till there was four or five or six of you or whatever, you know. And so we all got baptized. Well, a few years later, my dad got uh, saved and then baptized in the same river. So it was pretty cool. So we we kept going to church for a few years, and then we um, just drifted away. You know, as as we got older, me and my friends stopped kind of hanging around. One of those teenage things, you know, where you start hanging out with different people, and just we went separate ways. And then we just stopped going to church there all together. And then. Uh, so went through high school. I, I didn't ever get in any trouble in high school. I wasn't drinking or doing drugs or anything like that. I never, never got in anything like that. And uh, right out of high school, I I got married. Like I was like maybe 19, 18, 19. And everybody is telling me not to do it. I met this girl working at a, a grocery store where I had my first job. And we wound up getting married. And everybody's like, man, don't do it don't do it. This is a bad mistake. You're only 19 years old. Uh, you don't know what you're doing. My parents were telling me not to do it. Best friends tell me not to do it. And so, of course, I knew it all. So I went right ahead and done it. And uh, I remember we were sitting in the uh, the little room right out. We got married in a church. And so we, I was in a room right off of where the sanctuary was. And a buddy, he's like, he's like my best man. He said, he said, man, if you'll just if you'll just come get in the truck, I'll take you to Florida. We'll hang out on the beach for a week. When we come back, everything will be cleared over. Don't worry about it. Just, I was like, man, I can't leave her at the altar. He's like, oh, come on. I'll get you out of here. You don't want to do this. You're making a mistake. And I went through with it, and six months later, I was divorced or split up. So it lasted like that. And I knew at the time that it was a mistake. You know, I knew it in my heart. I knew it. I remember feeling like it was a mistake, and I still went through with it. And I just, I can't explain it. Just dumb and young kind of thing, you know. Uh, we didn't have any kids or anything like that together. And uh, my mom actually followed her from work one night because they were suspicious she was running around on me. And sure enough, she followed her over to a guy's house. And that's how I found out, which I had my suspicions to begin with. And uh, so we we split and haven't seen each other this, or haven't talked to each other. We live in a small town, so... Every now and then we would pass each other, whatever. But anyway, uh, kind of a funny story about the church we got married in. 
my now current wife uh, married her first husband in that same church not long after we had married. And then we wound up going to church at that church together, but with different spouses. And uh, But that was uh, pretty kind of interesting, I thought. And uh, so we, uh, anyway, I got divorced, and that's kind of where things started going downhill for me. I, uh, I had never gotten into trouble, never done anything wrong as far as alcohol and drugs. And uh, so I got uh, a wild hair, I guess. And we was, I was working construction about 30, 40 miles from my house. We worked like 12 hours a day, about five, six days a week. My cousin and I worked for them. He was the same age I was. And we started just kind of hanging out. Then we started drinking. Well, actually, the first time I ever got drunk, I got arrested. And uh, we were hanging out over there in uh, El Dorado, Arkansas is where it's at. And he, we got together. We done planned it all out. We was going to get some beer and ride and do all that stupid stuff. And, and sure enough, uh, got arrested. And uh, it was a pretty good lesson there. But uh, he... Uh, I, you would think that that would stop me. You know, you, you would think you get arrested, that's a bad idea, first time you've ever drank any more than, you know, a few sips or whatever, that it would stop you, but it didn't. It just made it worse, really. And so I went down that path for probably a good year, maybe, maybe not quite that long, eight or ten months, drinking really heavily and stuff. And my best friend uh, all through the high school years uh, got married, and he had been called to preach in high school. His dad was a preacher, and he he got his own church. Like he was only like twenty years old, and they gave him his own church. It was a smaller country church, but they had probably a hundred and hundred and fifty people showing up every Sunday. And excellent speaker. Like this guy could, I mean, he he could bring the whole stadium to their feet. I mean, this guy's just good. He's really good. And you, you can tell he was born to do it. And so he and I have always stayed in contact, you know, and so I started going to his church and I quit drinking and I started doing everything that I was tried to do, everything I was supposed to wind up teaching a Sunday school class uh, there of teenagers. It was probably the worst class they've ever been in because I was bringing like sheets of notes every day or every Sunday and just like going over them because I, di I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I, I wanted to do it. And so. Uh, I, I hope they got something out of it, but I would spend all week like preparing notes and then go over it during the Sunday school lesson. And, but mostly it was like reading off what I, what I typed up because I, I, I was young and didn't know and was just trying to do the right thing. And, uh, while I was going to church there, he, uh, my, my friend, the preacher and his wife, uh, set me up on a, a blind date with my wife. And, uh, what's really neat about that is, I remember like being, I was ready to meet somebody and we were, I was, I would pray every night for it. I just pray, you know, God, please send me somebody, you know, that I could spend my life with. And, you know, you kind of, when you get divorced, especially young, it makes you feel like there's something, something's wrong, you know, like, like you're, you're not going to find anybody else because you have that on your past, you know? And so that, that was hard. I remember that being hard. And so they set us up, and, and what well, I was praying for. And I remember clearly, clearly one night I was praying, and God said, you'll meet somebody 
I, I heard it in my soul. And he says, you're, you're going to meet somebody from your past. And I was like, you know, you're racking your brain like, who could it be, you know? And so when my friend had actually set me up on a blind date and the girl stood me up, not my wife, another girl. And so I, I remember that. And on the way there, I was praying. I was like, God, just teach me humility. Teach me humility. And then she stood me up and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so this is a few weeks later. They, they set me up with my wife. And uh, when they told me who she was, it clicked. We had, I have remember, we didn't ever speak or anything in school. She was a year younger than me uh, in school. She had went to our school for only a few years. And this was, you know, after we had graduated high school. So when, but I remember her, I remembered her. And so when, when they set us up, I was so nervous, you know, I was sitting there on the couch waiting for her to come out. She was already there, there, her and uh, my wife, my friend's wife was in the bedroom, you know, getting ready or whatever. And I remember sitting on the couch when she walked around the corner, I was like, she's out of my league. I just knew it. And uh, I, I, I didn't think it was going anywhere. I was like, this girl is not going to have anything to do with me. And, uh, but lo and behold, we hit it off uh, from the moment we saw each other. It was, it was one of those love at first sights. And I'm not saying our marriage is perfect or that it's always been, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but 99.9% .9 of it has. Like there's been very few times where we've had any arguments or issues. And it's usually because I'm being a bonehead, if we're being honest. And uh, but she's she's been absolutely amazing. Like I didn't know that marriage could be like this. Like I didn't I didn't grow up with that. Uh, even my my mom and dad would argue and fight, you know, a little bit here and there, but mostly he was gone. And then when they did argue, I remember them having arguments over her addiction and stuff. But I didn't I didn't know that marriage could be this amazing, you know. And it has been it has been it has gotten nothing but better. Over the last 21 years, we we met in uh, 1999, got married a year later to the date that we met, and it's been it's been amazing. I, I don't know what else to say about it. When you know it's right, you know it. I mean, it's not one of those things that like, oh, is this person the right person, or am I making a mistake, or none of those. I had none of those feelings when we got married, and we didn't do a big church wedding. Uh, we just got married in her her dad's house with. My parents, her parents, my brother, her sister, like that's it. I mean, it was just a very small wedding, and we've been been happy. You know, it's just been amazing. Uh, while we were married, I was working construction over the road when we met, and then uh, we started to. Uh, I wanted to stay home more because I didn't want that life that my dad had, and you can make a lot of money. You know, on the road working construction. I mean, there's a lot of money in it, and but pipelines, stuff like that. But I did. I I knew from an early age I did not want that life, and because you're never home, you don't get to see your kids grow up. You don't get to be with your wife. You know, it's just. Uh, uh, and right now, my wife and I are pretty much inseparable. If I do something, she does it. If if she goes shopping, I go with her. I want to be with her. She wants to be with me. We don't. I don't do guys' nights or go golfing or, I don't do any of that stuff. I just. We hang out and we're each other's best friend. And and that's what we both wanted. And so I was working construction and stuff and I wanted off the road. Well, I wound up taking a job that working for my dad. He was he had started a construction company locally. 
and it wasn't working out. Him and his brothers were in business together, and family don't get along sometimes. And so we, uh, I started looking for a job, and uh, wound up seeing a firefighter advertising in the in the, in the paper uh, in Warren. It's a very small department. It only has four full time firemen, and the rest are volunteers, like a, a split department. And they had a position open. And my wife called up there. She knew the somebody that worked in the mayor's office and got me an interview. And uh, I wound up getting hired there. And then worked there for three years and then went to work for the, the state police, Arkansas State Police, as a dispatcher in 2006. Uh, we had prayed about that. And it was a better, better paying job. And at the time, I told everybody, I was like, no, I don't want to be a trooper. I'm good dispatching. And But, you know, you kind of know. You know, I had tried to be a police officer uh, with Warren Police Department, but they didn't have any openings at the time. And so I wound up getting a job as a dispatcher. Worked there for uh, almost two years before I was hired as a trooper. And you have to go through the whole hiring process, and it's it's pretty extensive, and they go digging through everything you've ever done and, and see it. They talk to your teachers and your mamas and cousins, you know, uncle and everything else. They just they go through everything. But we're leading up to being a trooper, as a dispatcher, I knew that that wasn't my calling, and I knew that I wanted to be a trooper. I knew God was calling me to be a trooper, and it's what I would assume is similar to when a, a, a preacher is called to preach, and so I knew it, and so we started praying for it, and my wife and I, we actually started, uh, we'd never fasted for anything, and so we, we was fasting and praying and uh we, I don't I didn't know what fasting was at the time. I just knew that I needed to give something up, you know, and kind of sacrifice something. I was drinking Dr. Pepper like everyone I styled. I said, I won't drink another Dr. Pepper until I'm hired. And I didn't. I put them down and, and didn't. So that was my little my little sacrifice. And uh, my wife gave up something. Potatoes. potatoes. She loves potatoes. <laughs> she gave up potatoes. And uh, we prayed about it, and, you know, he provided and got me in the school. And it's a pretty rigorous school. As far as, as physically, you know, it's uh, it was 21 weeks, and it's probably one of the hardest physical things you can go through, but it's also extremely mentally challenging because they put you through all this stuff. And they want to put stress on you to see how you react, basically, is, is what's going on. And so you, you go through that. Well, my wife's at home. We've got three little ones at home, and I'm gone all week, Monday through Friday, for 21 weeks. And uh, she did – amazing she she uh cried the whole first week she says <laughs> and uh but she wound up having to uh, we got transferred when i put in i wanted we wanted this monticello uh, assignment and it's only 15 miles from warren but it's in a different county and i didn't want to police my own people that i knew so i wanted to come back over here where i didn't know anybody and so we i asked for this town to to come over here well, week 16 of 21 is when they gave us our assignment. So it gives you five weeks to find a place to live. <laughs> and so my wife winds up buying a house and selling a house while we're transitioning there while I'm in troop school. I come home on the weekends. We'd look at one or two houses. I think the second weekend I come home looking, we, we bought the house we're in now. And so we moved over here and, and have loved it over here. It's been a really nice place. It's a little bigger town. You know, it has a Walmart. You know, it doesn't seem like much to some people, but... Coming from a town that barely had a grocery store, you know, you're kind of, you, you think you're living the big time when you get to a Walmart. 
And uh, but we moved over here in 2008. It's when I graduated troop school. So I've been a trooper over here ever since. And one of the main driving factors that I wanted to be a trooper was to to get impaired drivers off the road. And that's that was my focus. I would pray every day before I went to work uh, to help me to find the impaired driver, help me to pick up on the clues, uh, help me to smell it if I could. You know, just anything that I could do to intercept them because. It's a problem. It really is. And and more people have that that will drink and drive or take medicine and drive or, you know, do drugs, any type of, you know, illegal drugs and drive. And so I was pretty good at it. I got real good at it and uh, was arresting a lot of people for it. And, but it just, I loved it. You know, I, I would, that's, I just eat it up. Basically the first few years, you know, you get so involved in it. That's all you want to do. You know, and, and I did until, uh, I mean, I'm still doing it, but uh, I did that for several years until I started this woodworking up. And uh, I still I still do police work. Still, I'm still a trooper. And uh, But as far as being so invested in, like, you eat, sleep, and drink it, you know. And I think, you know, you can do it, overdo it too much, you know. And in 2017 is when I started woodworking. And really at first, you know, I'm sure if you've seen any of my videos, you know, I did it because we were broke. You know, we got into a financial situation. Uh, it, some of it was our fault and some of it wasn't, you know, as medical things happen and we wound up filing bankruptcy and stuff like that. But we, um, I, we were, I was broke, you know, as far as we didn't have anything extra. We was, we was making our bills, things like that after we got through the bankruptcy or started filing the bankruptcy. But we started, uh, I wanted some extra money. You know, you want to be able to buy your wife something nice. You know, you want to be able to buy your kids something extra. I mean, it, it's not a, a necessity. We were living, we were eating, you know, but I didn't ever, I've never been the type that, the, the way I've always looked at it is my paycheck I'm bringing in from work goes into the joint account and we pay bills with that. And if we have any extra, it stays in that account. I don't take that out and buy, you know, a new computer or a, or an iPad or a new tool or whatever. And so I wanted some extra money to be able to do that stuff. And so that's why I started the, the woodworking. It was a money driven thing. I mean, I just, I thought I could make a little side money. I'm not talking about, you know, retiring, but I thought, you know, if I could make a, you know, a hundred dollars a month, you know, I could take her on a date, you know, or something. And so, uh, I actually had a YouTube channel called monitoring reviews. I still have it and I don't do anything with it, but it's still there. And it's just radio scanners and for police. That's what I was into those for a while or for a long while, actually. And uh, I, I got to where I was programming them for news stations and things. But anyway, I, I, uh, I, I started that channel and it had been there forever and got monetized. So it would bring in a little money here and there, maybe two, $300 a year tops. You know, once it hit a hundred dollars, they would send you a check. And in, uh, February of 2017, they sent me a hundred dollars hundred and whatever odd dollars check for that. And when I got it, I was sitting right here actually. And uh, the computer was behind me when I was facing that way. And I watched Jay Bates on YouTube and he was making chairs. And I said, I can make those and sell them. And so I took that hundred dollar check and went to the local lumber store and bought the material he told me I needed to build them and come home and built them while she was at work. And when she pulled up, I had them in the garage and uh, she's like, Ooh, I want them. <laughs> and I said, I'm selling these. I got to make some money. 
and she helped me stage them. And uh, so she's been a part of it from day one. She staged them up and they sold like within a day or two. And then I made another set, made another set, made another set. Just kind of grew it from there. And uh, just with, I borrowed a saw from my dad and two borrowed drills from my father-in-law and started making that stuff. And it's, it's, it, I never, I never had intentions for this to turn into what it did, but God did. And that's what's been amazing about it. Cause the first three years I was working at it, three and a half years, I was just, I was working at it for me and I was putting the content out because I enjoyed making the videos and I enjoyed that people could take those videos and build their own stuff. You know, and you, know, you can save so much money building your own furniture and it's fun to do. You know, it's relaxing to do. It takes your mind off your regular job. And uh, so I started building that stuff and the, uh, I, I don't know, she, like I said, she's been a part of it since day one and she, she saw me out there working one day in the shed and I was coming around to the front to use a cord or something and going back, back and forth, back and forth. She said, why don't you just move in the garage? We got a two car garage, you know? I was like, I, we parked there. She's like, no, we can park on the driveway because we got a nice long, little, pretty good long driveway. And she's like, just just put your stuff in the garage. That way you don't have to walk back and forth and just use the power in there. And uh, so she let me move in there and uh, she hadn't got it back ever. <laughs> I pretty much took it over. But uh, she's yeah, she's been amazing. She, she's, she supports everything I've ever done. Uh, she supports the woodworking. She supports all this editing that I have to do now. And because really I'm doing more of that than, than woodworking now. Cause you know, editing takes so much time and she will sit in bed and I'll be editing or we'll be at the bar all day editing. And she's supporting me. She prays for me. She prays for the business. She prays for the channel. <laughs> she's just, she's holding my hand right now. And she's just, she supports me like, uh, I told you earlier in the in the note that I sent you, if I decided to build a rocket ship to Pluto, she's gonna jump right on and and help me try to figure out how we're gonna get there. You know, it's it's not gonna be well. You can't do that. It's gonna be all right. Let's go. You know, and uh, we've been talking about taking this full time, and I, we were talking the other day, and I said, you know, I was like, well, I just want to make sure that I don't hurt the family, and that when we make this jump, that it's it's something that that's going to be safe. And she said, well, if you wait till it's safe, it's not a leap of faith. I'm like, <laughs> that makes so much sense. You know, I just, she's, she's amazing. I can't, uh, I'll never be able to say enough about her. Uh, I, I know I sent you this, but Proverbs 31, 10, it describes her perfectly. It's, and number 10 says a wife of a noble character who can find, she is worth more than far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She's she's awesome. And uh, so, back to the the channel, we, you know, I'm just making content, and I'm searching around one day looking for a video that I think will perform well. I mean, I, you want your channel to grow, you want to get exposure, you know. And so I see an, another video that talks about they have a million views. And it says, um, like, top projects that sell for them or something. And I'm like, I've got several projects that, that really sell for me. And, and so I was like, that's not, it's not a video I've ever done before. Everything up to that point has either been a tool review or a build video. I've never, I had never done one just where I was just talking. And I was like, I think I can do that and just layer over some B-roll on top 
you know, showing my projects. And that was in August of last year. So I made that video. And in the video, I had gotten in a shirt from Relent Relentless Defender that it had In God We Trust on it. And I, I wore the shirt in the video, and I don't know, something changed. God used that video to change the whole trajectory and the reason for the channel. And so I started getting messages from people, you know, saying how much this video means to them. Like the video took off immediately. Like like we was watching it from day one. You know, when you post a video, when I post a video, I keep an eye on it, you know, a few hours into it, see how it's performing. There's YouTube has an app. It shows you how it's performing on the last 10 videos that you've put out. And so you can start adjusting things if you try to tweak the title or the thumbnail or something to try to help it give it a little boost. And so I was watching it and we had 20,000 subscribers when I posted that video and I published it, looked at it an hour later. I'm like, what? This thing is, what? This is going crazy. It had, I don't know, several thousand views. And usually, you know, at the end of the day, 24 hours later, I was getting like 500 views on the, on the video when I posted this one had a couple thousand. So it was like way outperforming any other video and it just took off. And for the next several days, we just kept watching it. When it hit 100,000 views within a week, I was like, oh my goodness. Well, then the messages started rolling in, not, not comments on Facebook, but messages. Like people would message me on Instagram or Facebook, or they would just send me an email. I go to the website and hit that contact me button. And especially after it was out for a few weeks, I started getting messages from people uh, all over the world. You know, they were like, hey, I watched your video. I started making this project and it started selling instantly. And then the longer it went, I kept making, once that video hit, I told her, I said, we got to start putting out content if we want this channel to grow. And so I really doubled down on it and started trying to do my best to put out two uh, videos a week that were would bring value to people. And then I purposely ordered Christian-based shirts. I started buying them. If I saw one in a store, I would pick it up and I would start wearing it because they people were responding to that on the video, on that first video. They were like, I love your shirt, love your shirt. Man, I appreciate you representing your faith, you know. And so I was like, that's that's really resonating with people. And so I, I would purposely put those Christian-based shirts on. And over the last six, seven months since August, I've gotten hundreds, hundreds of emails or messages from people, uh, fellow Christians. I uh, got one from today from a, a guy in England, he said, hey, he said, I watched your video today. Uh, he said, I really respect the fact that you're not afraid to show your faith. I'm Muslim, but I respect the fact that you're not afraid to show it. And to me, that kind of stuff, it like puts a pebble in their shoe, as a friend of mine says. And so, you 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 know, it's not that I'm just beating them over the head with a Bible, you know, or... I've gotten some really, really bad comments. You know, you can imagine you get you get people that are that are just mean. You know, they're just mean people, and they're going to comment really bad things. But sometimes that just opens a door. You know, where you or you get an email or something where they don't agree with your faith or whatever, or they don't agree with how uh, they they say God is mean or you know if God is real he wouldn't punish people. And to me that opens a door. You know, it's just. It's one of those things that plants that seed. And I kind of look at it as like, it's not our job to, to convert them, per se. It's our job to plant the seed. And so wearing the shirts 
or just talking, just interacting with people. I do my best. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep it up because uh, it's, it's starting to take an hour or two per day in total to respond to everybody. But I try my best to, to respond to everybody's comment, everybody's email, Facebook messages, Instagram messages. I haven't counted how many I get a day, but it is a lot. Uh, we've, we just hit 128,000 subscribers on YouTube, and then we've got 21,000 uh, so followers on Instagram, and that's growing. Both of them are growing really fast. Uh, YouTube's up to like 15,000 a month uh, that's increasing. And then uh, Instagram's increasing probably 2,000 a month. And just Facebook's starting to grow too recently. And just, I mean, there's a lot of messages, but it's a, it's amazing to watch God work in it because it's nothing I have done. I mean, it's not like that it, I, I've magically made the channel grow. I really do believe that it's God's doing and his purpose for me. And I believe in my heart, it, it, this is what I'm meant to do. And so that's why we're looking at taking it full time. We believe that, that that's what we're going to do. And that's what God wants us to do. And so we're trying to be purposeful with uh, that kind of stuff and what we're wearing and what we're, how we respond to people. And because it's hard when you get that, that mean message, you know, not the, your first instinct is human instincts. Like what, Why, why who, who are you to talk to me like that? You know, kind of thing. But then you sit back and think, you're like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how you should respond. And so a lot of times I'll just respond back with a verse, you know, I'll just drop the verse in there because here's the deal. When, if like say like that, uh, August video now has a million, we just went over a million views, our first million view video. How many people scroll through those comments, you know, and then they see that mean comment. And I've had people respond to that. They'll say something like really bad. Like they'll, they'll make fun of you or whatever. You know, people are going to be mean. I don't know. It could be a 12 year old for all I know. I don't know. And so they'll say something really mean. Well, I'll respond back and say, I'll try to do my best to say something nice or put a scripture in there. And then you'll see comments below that saying, hey, I, I like how you respond to this person. Because everybody's so quick to, to fire back. And so we're trying to be purposeful of that stuff. I don't know. It's You can see God working in it. You really can. I've gotten messages uh, pretty regular. Uh, I've gotten multiple messages from people that say that they watched my videos, that they were contemplating suicide, or they were in a really dark place, and they watched one of my videos, and something clicked. And and they brought them hope. And then they, they started woodworking, and now they're making sales, or they're just doing it to relieve stress, or while, whatever the reason is, and things have changed for them 180 degrees. And that's not, that's not I'm not doing that. I don't have any power to, to change somebody to watch a video about a, I me mean, building something or me talking about me building something and then that make a difference in their life. I mean, I, I really believe that that's God working. Uh, I mean, they see, they see hope, I think, when they, when they do this stuff. It gives them hope, and that's Christ working. I really believe that. And so it's crazy, and especially with everything going on with COVID, you get a lot of people that, uh, from messages that are, I didn't realize because we're not shut down anymore. And so I didn't realize that a lot of places really are. A lot of places in Canada and the UK, they're, they're still locked down or aren't able to work. And these people are like financially struggling like bad. 
like it's bad. They don't have money to feed their family. And so they start looking for ways to do that when they're coming across my videos and the type of projects we're making are really simple, approachable projects for most people. If you have any want to, you can make them. And so with some basic tools, you know, you don't have to have $10,000 to start a wood shop. So we, we try to keep it pretty basic. And I've got, you know, I got a table saw and a miter saw, but I started out with a drill and a, and a circular saw so they can go back and look at those earlier videos and see what I was making and say, well, I can do that too. And so it helps them. And we're getting messages from those people in Canada and the UK and saying, you know, we're still locked down. And I started making your projects and we're able to sell them to help supplement some of this loss of income. And I mean, it's just, so I mean, you just never know how, how God's going to take that video and apply it to different people in different ways. And it's not just, you. I never thought this was a ministry. I never, that's not something that crossed my mind when I started it, that I was creating a ministry. And, but the more people that message you and you see their, their story, uh, the more you realize that, yeah, God's using this as a ministry. And so I actually had a guy that uh, reached out to me and said that he was struggling. He's like, man, I'm struggling my faith. Uh, I just need somebody to talk to. And so I sent him a phone number and we talked for a little while on the phone. And uh, he's like, I just, you know, I'm just questioning things and I, I really don't know where to go from here, you know. And he said, I was, he was actually a music minister in the church for a while. And then he just, he said, I don't know. He said, something's happened. He stopped going to church. And of course, you don't ever know what, what happened in their life to, you know, that causes anything like that. So we got to talking a little bit and I was like, man, I said, I just got in this evidence Bible. And I was like, can I send you one of those? And he's like, yeah. And so I sent him that Bible. Me and him still talk quite often on Instagram or he'll text me. And, uh, but it's been, uh, and he's used that. I, I haven't followed up with him uh, lately, but uh, there for a while he was, he, he was in a lot better place. And you could just see it. If you look at his content, you can go back and see it. It just lights up. And he, he does a lot of charity work and stuff like that. And so I really believe it made a difference in his life. And of course, who knows who he'll impact, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you never know what you're going to do today. That's going to impact somebody else. And that person will impact somebody else. And that's somebody. So you're just you're planting seeds kind of thing, you know, so this, it's really been amazing to see it all grow the way it has. Uh, who knows how long God's going to let it grow. You know, he could take it at any second. And, uh, but so far it's, uh, not just about the growth of the channel or anything. It's just, the what inspires us and what has actually made us double down on any, everything is this this tremendous response we're getting from people. They just I get you know you're getting messages every day saying, "Man, we're so glad to see you know Christian based stuff out there. You're not afraid to talk about it. You're not afraid to put scriptures in your video. You're not afraid. You know what I mean? There's so many people scared to talk about stuff. Uh, I don't. I mean, even like the the Muslim guy that reached out to me, he was like, I just respect the fact that you're not afraid to put that out there because so many people are they're worried about what other people are going to say about them they're worried about the feet the pushback if you say something christian you know because you know christian beliefs aren't aren't the world we're different you know we're, we're made to be different we are not of this world as that uh, saying is so it's uh, it's not a popular opinion a lot of times on the, the way we believe so but it's been amazing i don't know how much longer it'll go and uh, just we're trying to follow God's timing 
as far as taking it full time. Out of curiosity, well, first, thank you again for your time, Matt, and, and for joining us and, and sharing your story with our listeners. It's an honor and a privilege and, and something we don't take lightly and are very, very appreciative of and grateful for. I appreciate it. Uh, first question that I have is, with your dad being on the road and away working so much, how did that affect you as a, a dad now specifically? Well, like I said earlier, I, I never wanted that life. And it's probably because I grew up with that. You know, I, I wanted to be around him, uh, sometimes he, he had a short temper sometime when I was a kid, but I, I wanted, you know, you want a dad around and, uh, we missed him when he was gone. And I remember being a teenager and kind of being resentful of that, you know, kind of like, why is he gone all the time? But when I grew up, I understood that he was doing what he thought he could to provide for us. And, at the looking back now, I realized that my mom was probably spending most of his earnings on buying pills and she was a bad gambler too. And so she was gambling all the time. She would say she was going fishing and then be gone for several hours and wind up gambling. And, and me and him talked about it several times over the last few years. And he's like, you have no idea how much money she was going through. And so, but he was working really hard. And so, I, I understand why he was doing it now. But, of course, 16, 17-year-old, you know, rebelling kind of attitude, you're, like, kind of resentful of it. But now I really respect the fact that he did what he could do for us. But so that – but at the same time, that made me want to um, – I took lower-paying jobs to stay at home and make sure that I was home every night. I thought it was important. And so that's that's why I did that. Uh, but it, God led me on the right path. I mean, even looking back, we've talked about it many times, how God opened doors starting. Uh, the reason I got hired at the fire department was because my wife knew the lady in the office. And then after that, the reason I got hired at the state police was because I had worked at the fire department and had radio experience. And then the reason I got hired as a trooper was because I was already working for the state police. And you could just see those doors open one by one looking back. And it's even even going back to, to making videos, I got into making videos because I was making videos for my wife when I was going to be gone uh, to troop school. So I made her two videos to watch every week, one to two videos that she got to watch on Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday or whatever day I told her. It'd be a five or ten minute video of just me talking to her. And so I, that's where I, the video started, which transitioned into this. So it's just, it's, it's neat looking back, seeing what God opened the doors to. 
Man, that's sweet. I might start making videos for my wife. We'll see. Hey, it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, well, I'm curious. Were you ever able to share uh, your faith with your mom? Uh, she she's she was saved at a younger age. She always had a Bible in the house. Her sister is really a devout Christian, and so she shared with her a bunch. And that I don't. She just couldn't shake that that addiction for whatever reason. We tried and tried and tried. We had interventions. We and and we talked to her about it a lot, and we prayed about it. We prayed for her, and just she she just wouldn't stop. And so, matter of fact, the uh, just a few weeks before, uh, I don't even think I got into what happened to her a while ago. Uh, so, you want me to talk about that now? Because <laughs> I skipped over that earlier. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. whatever you want to share. So she just kept getting worse and worse on the pill addiction until the point where we had done had interventions. Uh, the whole, you know, my wife, I, my brother, his wife, my dad was begging her to stop. We all come together one night and said, we love you. We'll do anything we can to help you. You need help. You know, one of those deals. No, total denial. I'm not doing anything. I'm not taking anything. I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. And like, just refused to even admit that she was using as bad as she was. And so much so that my dad wound up, he was working out on the road and he, she was with him and he, he was coming home every night to her being not only on pills, but also drinking. She'd already started mixing it, you know? And so he's like, you gotta go. And so he sent her home and I thought it was bad. It was so bad that her mother had terminal brain cancer. And the day they moved her mom from, her house to the nursing home and with hospice. She only had a few days left. They had her on morphine. My mom stole her mom's morphine. And they realized it after that my mom left and one of my other family members went over there and said, give it back kind of thing, you know, and that's how bad it is bad. I mean, so I called her one day and I said, I grew up watching this and my kids aren't going to, you know, it's kind of, I was at my wits end with it. And I said, I've prayed for you. We've tried to ask you to stop. We've offered all the help you can. When you're ready to stop, call me. But until then, we're done kind of thing, you know, because I think at some point, and I may be wrong in this, but at some point you got you to gotta cut ties because if not, they're just going to keep dragging you that way. I had recently had went and picked her up from her house. She had, fa she had started falling a bunch. She fell and broke her collarbone because she fell out of the back steps because she was impaired. And so she called me one night. She said, I'm hurting so bad. I just need to go to the doctor. I'm hurting, hurting, hurting. She's, that bone was hurting. So my wife and I went and picked her up, took her to the doctor. All she wanted was pain meds. And as soon as they gave her a shot, she's ready to go. And my wife got so mad at me that night because I had went and got her. She's telling me the whole time all she's wanting is the pain meds. And I think that night is what done it. You know, I was like, no, I can't do this no more. And so we, I told her, I said, my kids aren't going to grow up watching it. They're not. She had almost run over my niece. She was impaired, pulled up. My sister-in-law had taken the, the baby, was in a baby seat and set it beside her car. My mom comes driving up and almost runs her over and just because she's so high. And so the whole family was like, we, we can't do it anymore. And so my dad had had her out there and sent her home because she just, he's like, I can't do it. Just, just go home. And she comes home. That was on like a Friday and Friday before Mother's Day. 
And so she stopped in Oklahoma. They were working in Oklahoma. She stopped at some doctor in Oklahoma and got some pills. And then she come back to local and went to three different doctors in the same office. All three of them prescribed her medicine. And then she went and had every bit of that field in the pharmacy. And I think that's a failing of our medical system, really, that they even allow that. Because it, was, it wasn't like it was four different medicines, but they, they feel it. Anyway, she winds up taking, I think we, we can the best estimate 60 to 70 pills at once on probably a Friday before Mother's Day. She fell into a door or a dresser or something and hit her head, and then she laid there until late Mother's Day, which I tried to call her Mother's Day and was just going to wish her happy Mother's Day. Couldn't get no answer. Everybody was trying to reach out. Finally, somebody went and checked on her and found her in the floor. And she'd been laying there for a long time. Med flighter, she wound up having brain surgery. Was in a coma for a few weeks. And then um, she started coming out of the coma, but she wasn't talking. Then she would talk a little. You know, it was a slow progression over several months to where she started walking again. Well, then she started having many brain strokes because of the brain surgery and her brain had swollen so much before. And so now she's wheelchair bound. She lives in a nursing home. She's just 63, 62, 63. And this happened in 2012, so she's been that way since then. And so in her 50s, and you could just really see the devastating effects of, of what prescription pills can do and how it affects the entire family. Yeah, it's difficult, but the hardest part was watching my dad, you know, because you could see at first, like, it, it killed him. You know, it just destroyed him. And I could see that it was hurting him, but... I think he had some regrets that he didn't do something sooner, you know, maybe just break the marriage up sooner. Uh, we've talked about it a few times and just, you, you can tell, you know, that he was just at the time he thought he was doing what was right. And, but it just, it never stopped and, and nothing we could do to stop it. And so if somebody, you know, or if you yourself are, are addicted to something, man, it, you got to do something. You can't just keep going down that path because it may not be your life that it takes. You may wind up in a nursing home for the next 20 years. And uh, her, her memory now is so short. I can walk in there and say something to her to, right now, walk out and come back in five minutes. She never knew I was there before. She has a really bad, like no short-term memory. She doesn't remember any of her grandkids, really. She doesn't know their names. Uh, she knows me and my brother, usually. But you can ask her where she's at. She doesn't have a clue. She thinks she's at home. I mean, it's just one of those things. She's permanently brain damaged. And I've always said that I think that uh, uh, an addiction, it, I don't think it's its hereditary per se, but I do think those habits translate to you. You know, you watch somebody do something over and over and over and over. And so I've always said that you got you to gotta supplement that with something good. And so I, I enjoy working out, and I'm pretty uh, habitual about it. You know, I don't miss many days. Uh, if it's a planned workout day, that's I'm, I'm 4 a.m., alarm clock gets up, I'm getting up, and I'm getting it in. I mean, it's just one of those things because if I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something. And I, I think that's more of that addictive nature. I don't know if it's hereditary, but I think it's in the nature. And it's like this, uh, it's like making videos. I want to make two a week, two a week, two a week. And sometimes, you know, we don't get there. But uh, it's just, uh, I think it's it's important to do positive good things versus the negative things if you can supplement something good for something bad i think you're doing something better you know i, I think that speaks a lot into uh the idea of, of beating generational sins and 
you know, just breaking the cycle and how you've gone about doing that. And I think that's great. I don't know before her if, if anything was going on, but I know that her mother is. And then one, her, one of her brothers is really bad. And so it's, you can see it in a family, you know, and you do see that even working this police work, you know, I, I get a kid 18, 19, 21 years old who, who's, you know, DWI or whatever. And I get him once or twice, three times. Well, then you see the family and you're like, okay, he's, he's trying to follow the same path kind of thing. And you just see it. It's a pattern, I think. Yeah. It's definitely good for parents to set the, the right example so that those habits don't carry on to their kids. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, uh, well, from, from reading your story, um, it sounds like your wife really helps you uh, walk away from drinking. Oh, yeah. So, uh, of course, when we met, I wasn't drinking. And then after, right, it wasn't long after we got married, uh, a couple of years, uh, I got to where I, you know, I'd start with one beer a night and then two beer and then three. And uh, so, you know, I started going down that path and she saw it really early. And she's like, uh-uh. she's like, I didn't marry a drinker. It ain't happening kind of thing. And called me out on it. And, it, you know, it, it stings a little when somebody calls you out and you're like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just having a few after work kind of thing. But she saw it. She saw it and I didn't. And I praise God for that because I liked it. I liked the way it tastes, you know. And uh, so I I didn't see anything wrong at the time. I was like, no, I'm just having a few after work. She said, I'm not putting up with it. <laughs> and so I bent and uh, we're looking back. I know she saved me. She saved me from going down that road because uh, – I know that I would I would be uh, bad into it if if it wasn't for her. So I think it's really important uh, that somebody if you listen to them. I mean, I could have not listened, you know, and it's like, no, I'll do whatever I want to. Of course, that would have most likely broken up our marriage uh, if it had continued. You know, you go down that path, and but it's really important that that you have support like that and somebody willing to say, no, that's not good for you. So one thing I noticed in your um, in your story that you're just recanting to us earlier is how cool it was that God wove yours and Amy's story together you know, kind of over the years. And that's, that's something that me and my wife have in common to you guys in different ways. But we look back and are able to see that, <clears throat> you know, God had our, our, our lives intertwined multiple times. And, and that's just was really cool to see. But I'm curious if you guys have any encouragement uh, for someone who is trying to deal with and support a family member that's going through an addiction or fighting one. Yeah. Don't, don't give up. But at the same time, I mean, you can give up. No, don't give up from a distance. Uh, I know that once I reached my limit with my mom, it I didn't stop praying for her. I didn't stop wanting the best for her. But you also don't want to isolate them. Yeah, you don't want to isolate them to the point to where they don't feel like they have anybody. You need to find... You know, one person who can offer support in a comforting way. When when we intervened with his mom and she she felt like everybody had walked away from her and I was the one who stayed and I kept communication with her and you know, check in on her and I never I never stopped talking to her and but she did need to see that if she kept making the choices that, that she was making then she would be making choices to not be around her grandchildren. And so even though I kept contact with her, 
we we kept our kids away from her because they couldn't see the bad things, things we understood that they didn't. And so you don't want to isolate them, but you you don't want to put up with anything at the same time. So you have to be firm, loving. You know, it, it's a hard situation. Mm-hmm. And I think God's the only way to get through that. Tough love kind of thing. You know, I, I think that, uh, like she said, she kept in constant contact with her. They probably talked daily uh, there for a long time when we was like, I was done. You know, I just, I had grown up with it and lived with it. And it was just, I could not take it no more. And I just, I wanted the best for her. I wanted her to get clean so bad because she was such an amazing grandma. She was a, an amazing mom when she was clean. But uh, I didn't want to be the enabler either. You know, just kind of supporting that. But my wife was her best friend through all that. But, I mean, who knows what all she was struggling with, you know, as far as mentally and stuff. And she probably, uh, I know for a fact, she should have sought help if she was in that dark of a place, but she just wouldn't. And I think that, you know, if you've got somebody out there, those that are listening, if you know someone Uh, who refuses to admit what's going on, they won't help themselves. We should have done something uh, harder. We should have gone to a judge and got, you know, sought an order to have her put in some type of facility, forced her into a facility, because I think if we had done that, it may have made a difference, and we were too late by the time we talked about it, and by the time everybody was on board and willing to do it, uh, we were out of state, and they said, okay, this is something we'll look into. And while we were out of state, we were in Texas. That's when it happened. Mm-hmm. And so you never know how fast that's going to come on. We saw it spiraling. You know, well, you could see it was getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, I guess I never realized that she would take it to the point. to. I think she was trying to commit suicide with taking that many pills at once. I really do. And But uh, you just, it's hard to see it coming. Switch gears a little bit, but still talking about you and Amy, because um, it's definitely uh, that's a big part of of your life, your story, and it's it's super encouraging for me as a newer married man um, just to kind of see how how well you love your wife, even from a distance. Um, so thank you for setting that example for me and so many other men across the the country and and the world. Um, do you guys have any advice for married couples, new or seasoned? I would. Huh? Talk. talk, yeah, talking is a big thing. Uh, I'm not a. Uh, surprisingly, I'm a very introverted person. Uh, if 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 us three met each other on the, in the public, uh, I would probably not say a whole lot. I'm, I think it'd be a very quiet meeting. Talking <laughs> person. I I I'm actually sitting on the floor. Yeah, next she's to right him beside so me. that he'll talk. She she's my rock. I mean, it's. You know, as far as as having a good, healthy marriage, obviously put Christ first, follow God's lead. After that, you got to put her first. Like the there are problems that we've ever had is because selfish me, you know. And so, anytime that I put myself before her or put my wants and needs in front of hers, that's when issues start kind of creeping in. And of course, every marriage is going to have arguments and stuff, and but it's. Of course, we've we've been scared a little more than about once or twice. We really started really worrying that we were losing each other, but it wasn't the fact that we weren't losing each other. We were both scared to death that the other one wasn't feeling a certain way or whatever. 
And it was ne- it was never that. And once we talked about it, we got closer. And I, it's just, I think if you put your wife first, or if you're the wife, you put your husband first, I don't think you can ever go wrong with that. Because if you're doing for them, you know, uh, what the Bible says, uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So he, he laid himself down for her. And so if you do that daily, which I, I fail at pretty often, <laughs> but if you do that daily and you think about what that really means, I, I think the marriage will grow. And, you know, I think the society puts such a stigma on marriage that, you know, like, you, oh, you're going to be with one person the rest of your life? I mean, how can you do Man, I'm telling you, our marriage has gotten nothing but better. Like, it's absolutely amazing. I said earlier, I, I don't know. I never knew marriage could be this way. And it's, we love each other so much. We don't do anything apart uh, other than if I'm woodworking in the garage, she's in the house, but she'll text me, I miss you, or she'll come to the window and I'll come in and we'll talk or whatever, but we're we're pretty close. We don't go shopping without each other. We don't go to the grocery store without each other. So well, we're, and you know, that's just us, though. We're not saying that. No, you don't have to be that, that way. Couples can't do that. But I think one thing that sets us apart also is that um, if I'm away from him, I don't talk bad about him. Mm-hmm. And I know he doesn't talk bad about me. And I hear that from other people, and I'm not judging them on that. But sometimes I think, well, maybe things would be a little bit better if, you know, uh, if we didn't put seeds of doubt or, or negativity. negativity when we're away because when I'm away from him, all I can do is think about how I'm ready to be around him again. <laughs> and he's, he's never failed me as a husband. He's, he may think that sometimes, you know, because we have had fights over the years and every time we've ever had a fight, he gets quiet argument, argument, not a fight. And I'll ask him, I'll say, why don't you ever talk? And he said something to me about 15 years ago and I've never forgot it. He said, I don't ever want to say anything to you that I can never take back. And I think that's the thing right there. Don't ever say anything to them or about them that you can never take back because I think that sticks. It, it does. It'll stick. And then, you know, they're living with that in their mind now that if you said something negative, you know, whatever, then that's always going to be there. You can't take it back, you know. So it's, it's sometimes it's a benefit to being a quiet person. You just kind of keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I think a lot of times, our, our, especially as men, you get, you get hot-headed or, you know, you you think you need the last word, or you need the upper hand, or you want a smart. I'm bad. I got a little smart mouth sometimes. I'll smart something off, <laughs> and then that's when things start going downhill if I, I smart off something. But just uh, put your spouse first, and if if you do that, if you really think about what that means, what does it mean to lay your life down for hers? You know, you're sacrificing your wants and needs for hers, and then she'll turn around and do the same thing. It'll grow. But and like she said. When you're around other people, don't don't down talk your wife. Talk her up, you know. Tell tell other people about how awesome she is and the things she does for you and how much she supports you or, you know, how beautiful she is or anything. You know, just speak it, walk it. Yeah, yeah. You can't just say it and it not be true. But, you know, if you believe it and you say it, you know, it's it's always I've always heard that if if uh, you can bad talk somebody and it'll get back to them, and you can also good talk them and it'll get back to them too. And so if you, you know, if you're at work and you're bad talking to a colleague, it's going to get back to them. And so if you're bad talking to your wife, you never know who's listening, you know. So. That's good. I think that's some helpful advice. 
Um, oop, sorry. Yeah, I think we want to talk about your uh, your YouTube channel for a minute here. Okay. So I'm I'm curious. I I, I unfortunately have not seen any of your videos yet. I apologize. It's all right. But Micah has has watched. I would say almost all of them. A lot of them. Quite a few of them. That's <laughs> and some of them multiple times. Um, so what I'm curious about is is what does the the 731 and 731 woodworking stand for? So my wife and I met July 31st, 1999, which is 731. And then we got married July 31st, 2000. And I made my first project. I want to tell you it was July 31st, but it wasn't. I made my first project in February of 2017. And I wanted to, I posted it for sale. It sold. And I told her, I was like, we got to name the woodworking business, you know? And she's like, and so we talked about it and 731 was the obvious name. So we come up with 731 Woodworks. So that's where it come from. It's our anniversary date. That's great. Where, where did the anchor come from? Uh, the anchor is, uh, from a Bible verse. And uh, we both actually have tight tattoos, uh, of an anchor with 0731 on it. Uh, but the Bible verse is Hebrews six nineteen. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And so we we wanted to incorporate from the beginning that uh, God was in this. And I said earlier that I didn't think about the fact that the channel would do this as far as what God was using it for. But I guess early on we really were because we put that anchor in there, and that anchor means that we have a hope. And I know I told you in my story that I sent you that uh, I think that's what a lot of people see in the videos. They they see Christ. Uh, they don't see me. They see hope. You know, they see that uh, this can be a positive thing, that you don't have to be negative on. Because most things on, on, if you scroll through your Facebook feed or you scroll through Instagram or Twitter, there's so much negativity out there. And just having something positive and hopeful out there, I think, is beneficial to people. Could you hear that? She says she thinks. I didn't the, catch that part. She says she thinks the reason the channel took off so much is because we stopped worrying about so much about what we wanted out of the videos and what it could do more about what it could do and what it could bring value to other people. Which is one of the reasons I started doing more talking videos uh, of late because I started getting messages after that first. They're like. I saw the response that people were really responding to the to the talking videos, uh, the more advice-based videos, more encouraging-based videos. I've got a few videos that are just uh, you can do it type. Like don't let don't be intimidated by this stuff. It's and so that's I think it started from there that it's more about bringing them value and helping them along than what I wanted to get out of it. So. Uh, perfect transition there i actually want to talk about one of your more recent videos that i've, I've watched twice now uh deer beginner woodworker specifically um the first time i watched it uh i realized that it applies so much more to woodworking uh, just fill in the blank with whatever you want to try or, or whatever god's asking you to do and and just do it it was it had so much more application to me Yes, it was encouraging to me as uh, an amateur woodworker, but it went so much more beyond that. Was was that intentional? Uh, 
Yeah, it was intentional, and I almost didn't post it. That, that the whole video is about don't be scared. Basically, don't be fearful of what God's putting in front of you. Don't be fearful of of trying something new or trying something and failing. And so, I I made the video, and then I got so nervous about it that I've not been more nervous about posting any video that I've ever done before I hit publish on that one. I, I don't know. I think it was, uh, I really think it was Satan trying to creep in there and, and stop me from pushing it. And so I, I talked about it on the live stream the, the Tuesday before I published it on Thursday. I was like, man, I'm really nervous about this one. And I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know why I was so nervous about it, but the response has been good. No, I, I, I personally loved it and, and got so much more out of it than, than I was expecting. And I got actually got the idea... I was watching uh, Marquise Brownlee. He does tech reviews, stuff like that. And so he, I was scrolling through YouTube one day, and a lot of times I'm, I'm consuming content, but I'm also looking for ideas or inspiration and stuff. And I saw his. It says, Dear Electric Car Makers or something like that. I was like, hold on. I can make a Dear Beginner Woodworker. And so I just kind of, I guess God planted the seed there of what I could do with that video. And I want to make more similar to that. Uh, maybe something, you know, of course, talk about something different, but more along those lines. Uh, I've gotten, I got a lot of good feedback, so I think it's beneficial. And then, of course, I'm getting, I do get a little pushback. They're like, why don't you just build something already, you know? But I think the channel's changed, and I'm still going to be building projects, but uh, I I think God's using it in a different way. I mean, it's, it's still about woodworking, and we're still woodworking in the woodworking niche, but I think we can we can do so much more than just build things, you know. We can build kind of cheesy, but we can build each other up, you know, versus just building projects. Yeah. Well, and you're you're building a foundation. So that, I think that's that's incredible. Please keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> we plan to, Lord willing. It's uh, we really love doing it too, and I think that means and a lot of people can see that they'll you know they can. Even on a tool unboxing, they'll they'll message me and say, "Man, you look so excited unboxing that tool." And it's because I was I genuinely like doing it, you know. And I I see the new tool is all shiny, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is awesome," you know. And I, I get excited about it, and then then I have to give it away. No, I love doing that. <laughs> we actually had two very generous donors uh, that donated tools for beginners, and uh, it was their idea or the first one's idea. He messaged me, say, "Hey, man," he said, "I want to I want to give you." some money to do a tool review and give it away. And I was like, heck yeah, that's awesome, man. And so he did. He bought the whole package. It was like $450 worth of stuff. And we gave it away. Well, before the giveaway was even going good, I had another message from somebody totally different from a totally different part of the country. I said, I like what you're doing. I want to give you another, how much do you need? And I told them, and then they sent the money, uh, Amazon gift card money, and said, buy it. And so we was that's able awesome. to give two people. I actually ship one today. I'm shipping one tomorrow. And so they're going to get a pretty good starter kit to get them started woodworking. So that was pretty amazing. Well, that's very similar to, on, on a random note, very similar to what I started with was uh, a circular saw, the same drill and driver you actually have now is, is kind of what I started with uh, after using a gift card from, from work or something like that. Mm. Um, but to your knowledge, has there been anyone who's come to faith as a result, as a result of 731? I've received messages that they say they've come back. I haven't, I haven't received a message yet that said I was saved because of your video specifically. 
But you. But I do have messages from people. He he received a message from a wife. Um, yeah, I did receive a message. That was very touching. <laughs> yeah, a really lengthy uh, email from someone's spouse said he doesn't know I'm telling you this, but uh, he started watching your videos a couple months ago, I think it was, and I've seen him totally change. He turned a 180. He had been drinking, uh, really depressed. He was out of work kind of thing, and totally turned his life around and started going to church. He didn't specifically say he was saved, uh, but I have had several messages. People say that they were watching uh, the videos and, and I've gotten the same message multiple times from multiple different people. They say something clicked and they'll put in parentheses clicked and they totally, they say they've totally changed that they've watched the video and now they're closer to Christ. They've started reading their Bible. They've started going to church, you know, they've started doing different things. And I think that's, that's the purpose of the channel. I, I don't know. I don't know how God's doing it, that he's, that they see what they see, but it's obvious he's doing it because we're getting too many messages from too many different people. That's amazing. I mean, that's definitely something to celebrate. And I think it's so cool that you just stepped out in faith, even as something as simple as starting to wear a t-shirt um, and just seeing people respond to that. It's just really, really cool. Um, you did mention getting some, some negative responses and, and messages and, you know, I know there are a lot of, of Christians out there who are hesitant to share their faith in such a public way, like like YouTube or Facebook or, or whatever, um, because they don't know how to handle that pushback. Um, they're afraid of it. So I'm, I'm curious what you would say to someone who is wanting to undertake some sort of creative project like 731 Woodworks, but is afraid of the backlash they might receive for sharing their faith in a a public space like like YouTube and, you know, how they could handle that. As far as handling the pushback, it's going to happen. I mean, you understand that it will happen. You put, you can post something on Facebook with your close friend group and somebody sometimes is going to say something that you don't like. Uh, we get, it's not much. And typically, if I just leave it and don't respond, then the uh, fans will come in and take it over. But, I usually try to, like I said, respond with a Bible verse uh, or um, just with a word of kindness. Some of them you just have to, to remove because they're just vulgar stuff, you know. And then you have some that want to argue um, your faith. You know, they'll, they'll try to call it into question or they'll say, you know, God doesn't exist. Or if God exists, then why would people or why would there be suffering? If I had one a couple days ago said if God was a woman, uh, there wouldn't be any suffering. I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand that theology. And so I would just, I just dropped some verses. He said that God does not going to judge the world, uh, that Jesus doesn't judge. And I'm like, mm, let, me, let me give you some Bible verses here, man. And but I mean, that's all the Bible. I mean, it's the sword, you know. So why not use it for its purpose? It can pierce way further than I can with any word I've got to come up with. It's already been written. All I got to do is just quote it. Yeah, that's right. The only perfect person on earth, whatever has been on earth, is Christ. So, uh, I just I I try to refer back to the Bible, and I'm no Bible scholar by any means. I, I do my best to read it every morning, uh, bef while I'm eating breakfast, and I I got a pretty I I do pretty good with it. I, it's very few days that I don't read it, but 
there's a lot of times my memory is not the greatest. So I'll, they'll, somebody will comment something. I'm like, uh, the Bible says something about this somewhere. So I, I use the old Google, you know, and I'll Google that phrase that I'm thinking of or whatever. And then I'm like, yep, that's the verse. Or you may get five or ten verses, and then you get to read five or ten verses. That doesn't hurt anything. You're reading the Bible. And then so I'll just drop that little old verse in the in the comment. I think that's I think I I may be wrong, but I think that's one of the best comebacks that you can do. I mean, I'm not really trying to come back at them, but uh, negative people are going to be negative. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. So I just give them a Bible verse and move on. Well, and Proverbs says, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so I think you're handling that in one of the best ways possible. Early on, you could probably go back and and look at the channel early on, especially the blue line flag. There's a lot. I got a lot of hate over that flag. And you can go back and look. And, and I wasn't always, like, I wasn't ugly, but I wasn't just overly friendly either. And I just, you know, I would, they would respond something negative about the police or whatever. And, the channel changed. And, yeah, that's right. She said, as the channel changed, so did I. And I agree with that. So I didn't take any of that off. It's still all there. And there's nothing, like, ugly or negative on there or terrible. But, you know, you get some negative feedback because people, at the, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, there was so much pushback against the police, uh, that's when that, that video started getting hammered. Of course, the views went, you know, jumped up because people were searching for it. They would seek it out. They would purposely seek that video out just to make a negative comment on it, you know. It's kind of kind of like weird because you're seeking out something and giving it a boost you know because the algorithm's picking it up as traffic's coming to it and so it's boosting it up and I'm getting more views on it I'm like it doesn't really make good sense <laughs> and that's what a lot of my comments were I'm like you purposely watched the video and commented so you gave the channel engagement I appreciate it <laughs> that was most yeah, of the comments that I would reply back and so yeah but yeah just I mean take it with a grain of salt I mean if somebody comments I've got, I've had comments that are really good constructive criticism they're like hey this video is awesome but you know, and they would say, you know, the music's too loud when I was first learning how to do things or, you know, you just kind of take those and try to do better. But if it's a really negative comment or they're just trying to be mean, then that's going to happen. But you can't let that stop you from showing your faith. I mean, we're the light of the world, you know. You're not going to put it under a basket, just as the Bible says. So make sure that that's a lot of times I'll quote that. They'll say, I come to watch a woodwork and I didn't come to hear you preach. And I'll just quote that verse back to them, you know? Yeah, that's good. I, I think that's super encouraging too. Cause I mean, like what Isaiah said, his word doesn't come back void. So I think you just, you got to take that step of faith and do what God's calling you to do. And if, scary, if the haters man. come, then it's yeah, scary it's scary. Too, though. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I've never been worried about uh, some pushback or that I'm not scared to take a leap of faith. I think it's, it's a human nature. You know, that we're scared of the unknown, you know. It's a whole lot easier for me. I don't know when God's timing is going to be for us to, to go full-time with this, but it's a whole lot easier to me to stay where I'm at with insurance and retirement, and it's a secure job, you know, until I turn whatever age is retirement age and ride off into the sunset, you know. Or, but, you know, then you look at it and you see the, the average lifespan of a police officer after he retires is five years. So, I mean is it really that safe kind of thing, you know? So I think uh, just follow God's lead is the best advice I can give you on that. So for anyone who isn't familiar with 731 Woodworks and wants to check out your videos and 
maybe catch a live show on a Tuesday night at 7 Central, 8 Eastern of Live Edge. Where'd they go? Uh, 731woodworks.com is our website, uh, youtube.com slash 731woodworks. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, 731woodworks on all those places. Uh, we just we try to post every Monday a new video uh, on YouTube. We do the live stream Tuesday nights. And then we try to post a second weekly video on Thursdays. So we do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday release days. Yeah, it keeps us pretty busy. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the the point of that, I, I mean, we have an ultimate goal. I, I think having goals is a good thing. Uh, God may change those goals, but the goal is to get the channel to be self-sustaining and have a back catalog of content that will drive more 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 views and, and content and so there's a purpose behind it i mean it's a business so we're running it like a business uh, a lot of people doesn't don't think maybe you should make money off of certain things or you know what i mean so uh, but if you're doing right with it there's nothing wrong with it so i wouldn't uh i've had some comments about that but we're trying to grow a business and we're trying to do it the right way and we so we have goals set up and we know that we need to make certain amounts of content and certain types of content so that it grows the channel. And the channel growth, I study it, and uh, I, I read books about it and try to try to grow it because YouTube's a business, and it's there's too many people making a full-time living just off of YouTube, and there's a formula to it, and, and there's, a, there's a reason behind it. There's a why. And so once you figure it out and start driving videos, driving views to your videos, it'll start self-sustaining and we can take it and do other things, you know, instead of just constantly making videos. So it may be something God opens a door up later after this thing gets rolling. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go before us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah 6, 8. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing an episode with a friend. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV Podcast on any platform. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. This episode was mastered and scored by J.A. Parkey. To learn more about this project, you can visit mvpodcast.org. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.